0: All right how you guys doing? Good well, before we uh, hear what God has to say to us this morning from his word, I want to uh, I want to give opportunity for all of you to show your appreciation and give thanks um, for a few individuals who have done so much to make camp so special for us right um these people have served us and loved us out of the love that we've been singing about that comes through jesus and there is a gratitude in their hearts that they want to live their lives in a way to serve and love others and and that's that's how camp happens and all the levels that it happens um so uh Mr. Steve and Miss Chris put a ton of work into it to serve us so well. Hudson and those who served on the worship team. Mr. Bucky, making sure everyone can hear. Sterling, the game master. He spends all of his time thinking up those games. Because he cares about you guys so much. Yeah. So it's a testimony to that. I want to um, share a note that was... um, Pen down by one of your team leaders, Uh, Kylie wrote this, uh, just thinking about participating in in camp, and uh, she felt she wanted to share these words with you all. She said, I've been told my whole life that I had a gift for teaching, so when I first heard about this summer camp, I was so excited to have the opportunity to use that gift in a way that would serve the Lord. I had been so pumped all summer thinking about this camp until we had a counselor meeting for it a couple of weeks ago and I cried my whole drive home. All of that joy I had about serving, it turned to fear. What if I don't know the Bible well enough to help them? What if I say the wrong thing or worse? What if I have to pray out loud for them? I started to feel like maybe I was in over my head. And instead of bringing these doubts to God, like I definitely should have, I wallowed in them for weeks. The first day of camp, I was actually so stressed out that I hid in the bathroom, crying on the phone to my mom that I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this anymore, but knew it was too late to turn back and turn out, and I wasn't ready to praise God. This past year, I've been working a lot to grow closer to God, but no, no growth is linear, and this past month, I had really fallen off with being consistent in praying and reading my Bible. The truth is, it didn't matter if I felt prepared or wanted to do this camp. God knew I needed it. I needed to be reminded of his love. And most importantly, I needed to be reminded of the joy his love brings to those who trust in him. Watching everyone filled with so much joy during worship and hearing all of you talk throughout the day and in small groups has been so inspiring to me. While you're all younger than me, I can confidently say that you have all become models for me of faith. Our job as counselors this week was to help you deepen your relationships with God. And while I can only hope that I was able to help be that and do that for you, I can say for a fact that you guys have all helped to relight that spark in me. You guys are absolutely incredible. Thank you, Kylie. The Lord, in his sovereign, good design, and somewhat mysterious, has decided to use us, to use us for his purposes, to use us even in our weaknesses, and when we feel insufficient to use us. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the letter of 1 Peter. So if you start from the back, you only have to flip a few pages to find it. Peter, the apostle, he's writing a letter, and this letter has a particular tone to it. He's writing to what he calls at the very beginning of the letter, elect exiles. It's a letter that he writes to those who have been set free by the truth of the gospel. The good news that Jesus has been the substitute for sinners to rescue them from their sin. But there's a real question that comes with that. Why does God save individuals, set them free from their sin and destine them for heaven and leave them here? God sets people free from the punishment of sin in hell to the glorious reality of eternity with ever for him and with him. And and then he leaves us here. And so Peter writes this letter with that tone. Hey, you who have been set free and are not yet home, I have words to encourage you because you've been left for a purpose. Turn your attention to chapter 2, verse 9. These words here capture the purpose for why those who have been set free are not yet at home. He says these words starting in verse 9 of chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. On August 5th, 2010, a large section of a mountain in the Chilean desert shifted and collapsed. Over a mine. This shift of the mountain and subsequent collapse ended up trapping 33 miners 2,300 feet below the surface. These men were trapped in darkness, enslaved to the depths of the earth. The world above would not hear any sign of life for 17 days when their efforts in searching for this group of men allowed them to to draw a note to the surface. And the note said that all 33 men were still alive. Upon receiving this Note, plans were then made. People were called in. Engineers from all over the world began to arrive in Chile to construct the plan. People with know-how, how do we get these men out of the earth, out of the darkness? On October 12th, after spending 63 days in the humid darkness, the first miner was brought to the surface. Over the next hours, these rescue efforts brought all 33 men out alive. 63 days in the depths, all 33 brought. Up alive. These men were miraculously rescued out of the darkness. They are now known worldwide. It was all over the news of this rescue that had happened. They, they became known around the world as the 33. There recently was a movie made about them. In the days and years that followed... These men would then tell their story again and again about being miraculously rescued, about being set free from the darkness. These men are forever marked by that experience, forever changed by what had happened to them. And because of this rescue, they would spend their days telling the story again and again. The text we just read speaks of another group, another group of people that have been forever marked, another group of people that are affectionately known, those who have been miraculously set free, those who have been called out of darkness to tell the story again and again. See, Peter, he writes to those who have trusted in Jesus, been rescued from their sin because he wants to encourage them that because of their rescue, they now have a purpose to tell the story again and again. Here's here's the main point that I want us to grasp this morning. God... God is at work setting a people free, saving them by his mercy to proclaim his glory. A few years ago, around Halloween, my oldest son was uh, deciding who he was going to be for trick-or-treating, and he decided he wanted to be Shaggy Rogers. You guys know who Shaggy Rogers is? The guy from the Scooby-Doo cartoons, right? I didn't know his last name was Rogers either. I didn't even know he had a last name. But we started Googling what, what the outfit should look like. And, and as he was getting ready, we put in the costume together, right? You know, getting the, the khaki pants and the green shirt and messing up his hair a little bit. And then my wife drew some whiskers on his chin. And once once he kind of got the whole thing all together, then we noticed he, he was in the mirror and he was he was practicing uh, what Shaggy did, how he acted, right? He wanted to, to not just dress like Shaggy, he wanted to be the character of Shaggy, okay? So, he, you know, he's in front of the mirror and he's practicing like zoinks and running around the house like a villain's chasing him. He wanted to, to walk and talk like Shaggy because that's the identity of who Shaggy is. See, when we, when we grasp... What God has done for those he's set free, he's set them free and given them an identity. Changed their their lives, not, not just in something they believe, but in who they are. And in that identity, there's a way to walk and talk. To be. That's that's so much of what our Bibles are about is how we are to walk and talk in the identity of those who have been set free in trusting in Jesus. And the purpose of this text that we have read this morning is, is to tell us that knowing who we are shapes us for walking and talking for the purpose God has. If you trust in Jesus, if you know yourself to be set free, you have a particular identity for a particular purpose. Does that make sense? You're set free to be, to walk and talk for God's mission. Here's the mission of God. Well, God's on a mission. He is on a mission to rescue people for his glory. Now that's a real church word, isn't it? Glory. What does that mean? What does the word glory mean? We use that word a bunch. Sometimes we need help kind of thinking about okay, what does that word actually mean? Glory. Glory means fame. It means awesomeness. It means all attention. It means. It means the one that all things should be drawn to, to look in awe of. The glory of God. God is on this mission of of gathering, of rescuing a people out of darkness and leaving them here that they may be used for his mission of bringing all things to see. He is awesome. Marvelous, wonderful, all glorious. So if you've ever had a question, why does God save us and leave us? It's to be billboards, pointers, flashlights, directions for us to, with our lives and our mouths, to tell a story again and again that says, look at this one. He is all glorious. I know that many of you as teenagers, you think about you think about will my life have real meaning? What, what will my life be of, of, of some significance? How will I have a mark in this world? Will I be a famous athlete? Will I be on a TV screen? Will I be a doctor? Will I be a missionary? What ways can I make a mark? And God gives every one of His rescued ones the purpose of pointing to Him in thousands of different ways. And and I want to encourage you that if you capture this mission of God that he purposes you on, that your life will have more significance than anything else the world can offer you. The mark made in joining the mission of God is the most significant mark you can make on this world, is walking and talking for the mission of God. This is what God's doing. He's gathering a people For his mission. To scatter them about his whole earth so that his glory would be known. And in order for us to truly capture ourselves in this mission, we have to know our identity. Look with me at verses 9 and 10. Here, Peter clarifies the identity of those who have been set free. He says, you... You set free ones. You are a chosen race. What does that mean? A chosen race. This is a people that God has united together that have been marked out, set apart from all the rest of humanity. The globe is filled with Humans who bear the image of God, and out of all of them, God is going about and setting aside a particular group, a chosen race of those who are not just image bearers but are now proclaimers to his glory because they have been set free from darkness. The Bible calls this race, this group of people, the church, this gathering. And God takes these people and he puts them together in particular places scattered throughout the world that they would be these outposts of pointing to his glory. This set apart race, unified. And if if you've ever walked into different churches, you can see a mix of different kinds of people. And at times you're like, "How, how do these people all fit together? What do they have in common? They've all been rescued marked out chosen by god do, do you know do you know that that's what god does he he s- surveys the landscape of his creation and he sees all those who are 2300 feet in the darkness of their sin with no way to climb themselves out and he says i'll take that one and that one and that particularly chosen to be united together and then sent on his mission for his glory. If you have been set free, God has chosen you to be set free. And I've had this question so many times in my Christian life. Why me? Why why would you choose me? And his answer, oh, oh, my son, it's nothing about you. I chose you because of grace and my glory. That's why it overwhelms us, this choosing of God. A chosen race, Peter goes on, a royal priesthood. Everyone who has been born anew by the Spirit of God, everyone who has been set free is now a priest of God. Do you know that? In the Old Testament, there were priests who would stand before God representing the people. And in the New Testament, through the work of Jesus Christ, everyone who has been set free is now a priest. Do you know what that means? It means everyone who trusts in Jesus has immediate access with God the Father. Immediate access with God. Think about that for a second. That is astonishing. That at any moment, at any time, whatever you're doing, you can stop and pause and talk to the God who breathed everything into existence. And he hears you. And he knows you. A holy nation. God has chosen a people, set them as his priests, called them a holy nation. They have been marked off by God's choosing of them as his representatives in the world. As those who would carry the banner of his name. And they would be marked different because they would pursue lives of holiness. We talked about this a bunch this week. How will we know those who are his, they look different. They walk and talk like God, like the Son, a holy nation. Peter says, a people for his own possession. Paul writes these words. Do you not know, speaking of those who have been set free, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, Listen to this. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. What's he saying here? Those who believe in Jesus, who have been set free, no longer own themselves. Your life, if you've trusted in Jesus, is no longer a life that is your life. It's no longer the plans you have for yourself. It's no longer your agenda. It's no longer what you want to do with your time, with your money, with your resources. It is what does God want me to do? Because he owns me. He has and desires to use me. Peter goes on to say this new identity that you have As a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. Look at what he says in verse 10. He says, all of this has come. You have received all of this. How? The end of verse 10. Through mercy. Through mercy. Those who have been chosen by God are not merely objects of his choosing, but objects of his mercy. Mercy. None of us deserve to be rescued. It is only out of the abundant mercy of God that we would hear the gospel, respond to it, and be brought to the surface to see marvelous light. And this is the purpose of all that rescuing work, all that changing of our identity. All that setting us anew, verse 9, that we may proclaim His excellencies. Our identity is meant to reveal our purpose. We are a people that God has gathered to join Him in His mission. Listen, God has been on a mission for His glory from the beginning. And... The promise of the accomplishment of that mission that God will have all of his glory is certain. It does not depend on you. But God, in mysterious kindness, calls you to join him in what he's already doing. He doesn't need you. But he wants you. That's amazing. He wants you in your life to be so overwhelmed by his freeing gospel that you are now enlisted in joining him in his mission for his glory. There is no higher purpose for your life than to join God in his mission for his glory. You can do nothing of greater significance with your life. God calls you to join him. We are chosen to be proclaimers. Listen to these words from Pastor John Piper. He says, in other words, he has given us our identity in order that his identity might be proclaimed through us. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. The meaning of our identity is that the excellency of God may be seen in us. Have you ever been somewhere where the scenery just stunned you? It just set you there in awe. Maybe it was a sunset over the water. Maybe it was a mountain, the Grand Canyon, something that that made you just go, wow. And maybe in God's kindness, you connected that and go, God's just amazing. God wants to do that same thing through you. He wants to make you sunsets and mountaintops and grand canyons of his excellency by how you walk and talk for him and about him. That God would use you to stun others because of him. And what he has done to rescue you, to make you a proclaimer for his purpose, to make much of Jesus, to tell and point and reflect. This is how we proclaim. So there's, there's ways we do this, right? We need to talk and walk. So what does it actually look like practically then for you, teens, to, to be those set free to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, how do you actually do that? Well, you have to talk about it, right? You have to, you have to tell of the rescue. You have to tell others about who Jesus is and what He has done. And listen, this doesn't need to be uh, the most well-crafted thing that you can do. It doesn't need to be uh, another. Book in the Bible, in its beauty and wonder, all you need to do is say, this is what Jesus did for me. This is how I was, how I saw him, and how I am now. He's changed me. And God takes feeble efforts that we might have, and he makes beautiful sunsets out of it. So we have to be talking about it telling others about it and and each time we get around those who don't know Jesus we don't we don't have to say let me tell you genesis to revelation right it can just be one thing it can just be how was your weekend what did you do this weekend oh well part of my weekend i i went to church and and i learned learned some really helpful things in the bible and and we got to sing about Jesus and and man it was just It was really just helpful for me. God will use that. That is a proclamation of excellency in that small moment. And God will multiply that. Be prayerful about these things. Ask God to help you in being a proclaimer. He loves to answer those prayers. It's simply telling people about the ways you find Jesus beautiful the way you think he's awesome. And Peter goes on to say, it's not just how we talk about him, but how our lives are different. It's the walking as well. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, that's those who have been set free and left here, to abstain from the passions of the flesh. No longer live for yourself. Live for him who set you free. And we already studied this this week. Those things seek to wage war against your soul. Look, Peter doesn't use light language here. He's talking about fighting those former passions like it's a war. Because it is. For your soul. Fight those things. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Those are just outsiders from the people of God. Keep your conduct among them honorable so that when they speak against you, They may see your good deeds. Peter says, don't live like the rest of the world. Live like the one who saved you. And others will notice. And the Bible is really honest, right? Because what's one of the things that keeps us from walking and talking like Jesus the most? It's fear, isn't it? It's what other people will think of us. Like I know Pastor Dan, you said, "Hey, you should just tell people like I went to church and I really enjoyed it, and but you know what comes right after that thought? Ooh, What if they think I'm just some weirdo? What if they make fun of me? What if they laugh at me? You know, the Bible the Bible doesn't say, "Oh no, don't worry, they won't." The Bible says, "They might. actually. They probably will. And that fear can keep us from our purpose. And that fear can keep us from real joy. We get temporary satisfaction in being like, oh, I avoided, I avoided getting laughed at. But what God calls us to is much deeper than that temporary comfort. And God promises, don't worry, verse 12, keep your conduct honorable. Tell them you enjoyed church over the weekend. Tell them you enjoyed reading your Bible. Tell them Jesus is awesome. Don't worry. They will speak evil against you, but God will have his glory. And God does this amazing thing. In his mission for his glory to be known, he has set everything up so that As we pursue that mission of his glory, the byproduct is lasting joy in our lives. He's so kind. He could have made it all about his glory. And you know what? It's really going to be hard for you and not fun at all. But in his kindness, he says, if you pursue my glory, you actually will get the maximum amount of joy that there is. That the pursuit of making much of me is the same pursuit of the most happy life you can have. Wraps them together and gives them to the set free ones for their mission and purpose. What a kindness of God. What a wonder of His work. That as we pursue these things we've talked about this week, we keep mentioning satisfaction and joy because they go together with the glory of God. And notice what Peter says here. This is a phrase we kind of miss in verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. The requirement for our walking and talking in the mission of God is that some of our life has to be with those who don't believe it. That can be hard for us sometimes, right? Growing up in the church, maybe, going to, maybe we're homeschooled, maybe we go to a Christian school, and, and we feel like, man, I'm around other believers a lot, and that's a wonderful thing. But God will, in your lives, give you opportunities to be around those who know nothing of the things that we're singing about. And God puts you there not to self-protect yourself. He puts you there because he wants his glory. And there are those who don't know what that is. And therefore, they don't know what real joy is. And God is using you, putting you on that soccer team, in that choir, in that group of friends, with that hangout, on those different things. So that you can walk and talk for his glory, for your joy that they might join. God wants to use you. He wants to send you on this mission. So be about this mission wherever God places you around others. And in order for us to do this mission, in order for us to travel on this journey, we need fuel, just like filling up a car to go, right? The fuel for the journey is worshiping God through our whole lives. See, we're people with this new identity, with this God-given purpose, to be about His glory, and the way that we fuel ourselves for that mission is to look again and again at His glory, to remind ourselves again and again of who He is and what he has done for us to see again and again the excellencies and the more that we drink from this fountain the more that we watch the wonders of god the more we get filled with it and it will spill out of us if god has rescued you and set you free then for the rest of your life on this earth the way you fill yourself for the mission is to rehearse the rescue. To wake up in the morning and to take a moment and go, I don't know why you did it. I'm not even quite sure how you did it, but you saved me. You saved me from the darkness, from my sin. You set me free Because of your love, you sent Jesus to die in my place, to take my punishment. And you raised him from the grave to declare that it was acceptable before you. And you did all of these things to make me yours and send me on this mission. You did that for me. Once I was not a people. But now I'm his. Once I, I had no mercy, but now, now I have His mercy. If you rehearse the rescue, God will send you on His mission. Imagine, imagine that someone you know, no, I want you to imagine specifically someone in your life who you might be pretty close to and they don't know Jesus as their savior. They don't know what it means to be set free. They don't know about the mercy of God and his grace and his love. And they're close to you. Do you you have that person in mind? Now I want you to think about that person. 2,300 feet below the earth's surface. They have no way to dig themselves out. No way to climb to the surface and truly breathe life. And God has given you the engineering know how to draw them out of the depths. And He wants to send you to rescue them. The gospel is the rescue plan. And God gives it to each one of us that that person would be brought to the surface out of darkness into marvelous light to be embraced by Jesus the Savior and know real joy. God is sending you. Set free one. He is sending you For his glory and for your joy, go and tell. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are so good to us, so kind to us, and we have had this week, and we thank you for it, to continually think about these things and remind one another of these things and consider these things and... We recognize it's so easy to pack up and go home, and the world to steal away the things that we want to take to heart. And so we ask for your spirit to powerfully lay these things on our hearts, on our minds, to, to use some of these experiences, even next week, next month, and next year, to remind us of the mission you are on, and the calling for us to join it. Strengthen us by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.